So excited. Um, We're starting a new series, and um, the series is called uh, Learning How to Fight Back. And it's interesting the way that God works because, you know, uh, many of us are in the small group and we're reading through uh, a book, and um, and then the ladies have, like, their thing going, which is rad, which we didn't forget about. We just can't invite, announce everything. However, the men's and women's both meet, and they they rock, and you should get involved in that. But um, the the women's are going through a study, and, and I wish I could say, that, uh, that, you know, it's all coordinated and there's this, you know, master plan of, of curriculum that we're teaching, but that would not give God as much glory because that's not the case, and yet it's all linked in. And the series that I had planned is connected with the book that we had already purchased with the curriculum that I didn't even know they were doing with the women's thing. So it's just rad the way that there's a common theme of what God is doing, and it's the way he speaks to his people. We believe God's alive. We believe he speaks today to his people and he speaks through a myriad of ways. But one of the ways is just through this weaving of a message, an overall message of what he's doing. So I hope you're listening, um, not just in this moment, but in general in your life. Because how many know God speaks to you specifically for specific seasons? And so here we are today. And I have a a simple question, and that is, um, do you ever feel discouraged? Do you ever feel overwhelmed? Do you ever feel defeated? Um, Ephesians chapter 3 is a familiar passage and starts in verse 14. And and Paul says, um, for this reason, I bow my knee to the Father. For this reason, I go to the throne on behalf of you. And he says this, that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in your inner Man, Father God, I ask that uh, in the next few moments that you'd speak to us and, Lord, that you'd start us on a journey for the next four weeks. God, that we'd listen and that we'd lean in. Lord, that we would recognize the greatness that you have placed in each of us. We would identify with the finished work of the cross. And God, consequently, we would be able to face our giants God, we would be able to walk with a sense of confidence and boldness like you gave the uh, apostles and disciples in the, in the New Testament, that they walked with boldness. And uh, Jesus, we, we know that that is available to us today as believers and that you're raising us up for such a time as this. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So when I was in my 20s, um, I lived in Olympia, Washington, and I, I, I grew up here. And, um, and so I, I went in my 20s, uh, I lived in Olympia for four years in, during Bible college. And during that time, I lived in host homes because it was kind of like a hands-on type of Bible college. And so part of the training was you'd live like with one of the elders of the church and you'd kind of learn from them. And, and, uh, and so um, one of the host homes I got put in um, I'll never forget, they were a gracious, amazing family. And Olympia is not like San Diego. It's Washington. There's a lot more land. And, um, you know, I was a, a surfer kid from, from, from Poway, so kind of a fish out of water. And this home I stayed in, it was like a ranch. And they had all kinds of animals and whatnot. And, and, and now I'm, I would appreciate it a lot more because Heather is a big animal person, uh, and she would live on a ranch if, if we could make that happen. But, uh, but back then, I really wasn't an animal person. And, uh, and so anyway, I, I lived on this uh, sort of like a, a four-acre lot and had some animals and whatnot. 
And for the most part, I sort of stayed away from the animals that they had and kind of did my thing. I, you know, I had a little room and I did my homework and whatever. But they, um, uh, it was a couple months into me staying there, they, they had to leave town for a couple of, uh, of days and asked me to kind of house sit for them. And so one of my, my jobs was to take care of some of the duties that come along with living with, with animals. Like Lee and Lindsay, you guys understand, you live like within a plot of land, where don't you have like some animals there? Yeah. So anyways, they had chickens. And part of, of caring for the chickens was you had to go harvest, you know, the eggs. And so I'm like, okay, how, how hard can this be, right? Never done it before, right? I mean, I, I'm just like a, a, a kid, you know, grew up in Poway. So um, they gave instru- simple instructions. You know, you got you to gotta go get the eggs. There's a basket. You go in there, you get it, get it done, right? And, um, and they said, oh, by the way, we have a rooster. But, you know, just... Just be mindful. You know, it's fine. His name's Chester. Chester. If I dwell too long on it, I will have nightmares. Okay. So, so I get up early in the morning, and I'm going to get the harvest the, the eggs, right? And, uh, and I go in, and again, like, I've never been around a rooster. I mean, I've heard them crow before, but I've never just, at this point in my life, just never been exposed to it. So I go in, totally naive. I'm getting the eggs. I'm making it back. And out of the corner of my eye, I see the rooster, Chester. And all of a sudden, he just starts bolting at me. And I'm seeing him in the corner of my eye, and I've got the eggs, right? And I see him coming at me, and I'm like, Shoot, he's not stopping. He's full speed coming at me. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I start running for the, for the exit and I don't get there in time. And I'm no joke. He jumps onto my back, latches on with his claws and quack, 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 right? Just like start, I'm like, oh, I'm freaking out, right? So I drop all the eggs, right? And I barely make it out of there alive. Close the thing, and I mean, you can tell this rooster just feels like he's the man, right? This gringo, right? Just like newbie. So I call the owners, and I'm like, I've got bad news, and then I've got more bad news. The bad news is I dropped all the eggs. The more bad news is I'm not going back in there. And they're like, no, you need to, you know, get back on the horse, so to speak, you know, like, don't let them, don't let them win this round, you know? You just got to go in there with a sense of like, you know, huspa. You got to like, you know, you got to be the man. You can't let them push you around. So you got to look them in the eye, you know, stare them down. So I'm like, this is not going to go well. So sure enough, the next day I get up and I go in there and I start making my rounds, and you know, there's a few eggs left that I'm trying to kind of gather, so now I'm like, I feel like I'm a Navy SEAL. I'm just like going in like, you know, recon. I'm getting a few eggs, looking around. Finally, I see him, and I just like, I just go up to him, and I'm like, what's up, you know? <laughs> and you could, there was like a moment where he was deciding, you know, like, who's the boss here? And luckily, he just kind of retreated, and I made it out of there with my life, but uh, Chester. Am I the only one that's been attacked by a rooster? Am I the only one? You've been attacked by a rooster, see? Annie, you know what I'm talking about. You're from Yelm, right? Have you ever been attacked by a rooster? No. 
See, they can sense fear. Yeah. If only there was like a YouTube, you know, somebody filming it and putting it on YouTube, I could, could have made some money. <laughs> Learning how to fight back. That's, that's what we're doing this, this next um, four weeks. And, um, and I, and I want to I I dive in, but, but before we get there, I, I want to I get to Psalm chapter 18 because David says something really profound, really powerful. And, and I really think that it sets up part of the discussion today because... Because when we talk about fighting back, I instantly go to the scriptures that say the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. And we sing about it and we chant about it. And, 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 and we really have this powerful concept that we go for, which is that, that you don't have to fight in this battle. The battle is the Lord's. And that's scriptural. I think it's profound. I think it's powerful. And I think that it's part of the conversation. But I also think if we're not careful... We surrender in areas and we're asking and looking for, for, for God to fight a battle and win a victory that has already been won. And so we accept defeat in areas because we're still waiting, wishing, and hoping God would do something when he already did it. Psalm chapter 18 says this, He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. I have pursued my enemies, Chester. I have overtaken them, for you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have armed me with strength for the battle. And that's what I believe um, God's leading us to step into as, as believers, as heart church, is understanding that God has armed you for battle. It's not, it's not enough to just say, God's going to take care of these things in my life. And I just get to be secure and trust in that. But, but in, in conjunction with, obviously we trust the Lord, is God has armed us with strength. He has given you spiritual authority. And, and, and you don't need to wait around and hope that maybe God will do something for you. Because you're more than a conqueror. It's, in who, it's who you are. Amen. And we're going to discover that as we go along. So we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 17, and this is going to be the text for us over the next three weeks. And so we're going to start reading. And before we do get there, I want to set the context. And the context is the children of Israel have just um, come from 40 years of wandering in the desert. And you guys know the story, right? They got delivered out of Egypt and then they were coming to the promised land. They send spies out. The spies come back with 10 bad report, two good report. So they wander until that generation dies off. And so now they're at the place where Joshua and Caleb, Moses is dead, Joshua and Caleb, who incidentally were the two spies that gave the good report. Now they're leading the people into the land to conquer it. And so they started with Jericho because it's the first city and, and they conquered it. And now they're moving forward forward and they're conquering the lands. And so now Joshua, the leader, is divvying up the land. And he's giving the portions that belong to each of the tribes of Israel. This is the promised land. This is what they've been wandering in the desert ready to possess. And it represents a lot for us, not physical land, but a lot of other spiritual inheritance that we've been given. And so this is where we pick up in the story 
with Joshua. Now, you have to understand, Joshua's an animal. The guy's a fighter. I mean, he is just an absolute stud. I mean, he's the guy that picked a fight with an angel. Remember that? Remember that there was an angel with a sword drawn? And, you know, like Joshua, like, bows up to him, like, are you for us or against us? Because if you're against us, you're going down. I mean, this is Joshua, right? He's just an absolute stud. So we pick up, um, and I want to just kind of say this, because... The, the children of Israel are, are, are dealing with a new reality. And it's very relevant to us today. And the reality is this. Wandering in the desert, and I have a slide for it, wandering in the desert was about survival. The promised land was about conquest. I don't know if you've ever watched that show, Survivor, right? It's not the cool kids that made it. It's not the, the, the people that are most experienced. It's literally the last man surviving. It's the last man there. And that was what the wilderness was about. It's just like, let's just make it another day. Let's just wander around and survive. But now they're in a brand new reality. And, 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 and they're like, okay, so we're going to either wander around just to live or we're going to own our real own land. And, and this came to light when I was in Israel. And I know I talk about Israel a lot, but this is really connected for me, is that you have to understand that every one of these portions of land that were given with us is now Israel, the actual land of Israel. And you have to understand that, like, Israel's the only country that survived. I mean, you think about the Roman Empire and how much land they possessed and how much they conquered. And where are they today? They're gone. The greatest empire in the world is not a nation anymore. But Israel, not only were they a people of God, but they had a place. They had a land. And today it's very sacred and it's very important. And and God's word says a lot about praying for the peace and prosperity of Israel. But Israel is also a place, not just a people. And that place is amazing. It represents their future. And so they're right in the middle of that story. We can go there, and it's amazing to visit. But here, they're in the middle of this. They don't have it yet. It's not possessed yet. They're in the middle of, am I just going to wander around and make it day to day and hope that things go okay? Or am I going to step back into a different mindset? God has promised me things. He has given me things that belong to me. Now it's up to me to go take them. Sound familiar? Which one are you going to choose? How, how does it feel living day to day? Okay, let's just talk about finances for a second. Living just, I guess this isn't a financial conversation, but let's just talk about finances. How does it feel to live paycheck to paycheck? It feels like survival, doesn't it? It feels like, I hope I'm going to make it to the next week, to the next paycheck. I hope I'm going to pay that bill. And it's easy to get stuck just in general in life in our relationships, in our purpose, in our overall, uh, overall like being and purpose, it's easy to live there. And this is where the children of Israel were being invited to transition from that lifestyle. And mainly, we all know it's here. This is where the battle is, right? We're going to either wander and survive, or we're going to transition from that mindset, which is what Joshua was inviting them to. Transition from that mindset. We're, that's not what we're doing anymore. We're not wandering and surviving because God has given us something to possess. And so here we are. We take up, we pick up in Joshua chapter 17. 
verse 14. It says this. Then the children of Joseph spoke to Joshua. Again, this is one of the tribes. Why have you given us only one lot and one share to inherit since we are a great people? So Joshua answered, if you are a great people, then go up to the forest and country and clear a place for yourself. Now pause for a second. Um, since the mountains are too confined for you. So, I mean, I don't know what this conversation was like, but like this, this, this tribe is, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. So somebody drew the short straw to have to go talk to Joshua. Now, remember, Joshua is a beast. I mean, this guy is a stud, right? He's got a lot of things going on. Somebody had to go and have to talk to Joshua and go, excuse me, um, I, know, I know you got a lot going on, but we a slight problem. We don't have enough space. So this conversation, Joshua's like, man, you're right. You are a great people. You need to have more land. So the messenger's like, sweet, he's on our side. He goes back to the people, right, the congregation, and he goes, good news. Well, this is not just ours. We can have, we can have the, the rest of the land, right? <laughs> this is the response. But the children of Joseph said, the mountain country is not enough. Yep, we, we, we've decided that. And, but all the Canaanites who dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron. They've got chariots. They're big. I don't think, I don't think this is going to work. Joshua goes on. I love this. In verse 17, I want to highlight this. And Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph, don't miss this, to Ephraim and to Manasseh. So, so at this point, Joshua's like, all right, we've got a mentality issue here because I've just told them it's theirs. And they're, they're coming back saying, they've got issues. We, 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 we can't do it. And he goes, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring the whole council together. I'm going to bring all these tribes together. And this is what I'm going to say to them. You are a great people and have great power. See, his language has changed. See, he understands now. Oh, I see. Like they've, they missed out on who they really are. So I have to remind them, you shall not only have one lot, but the mountain country shall be yours. It goes on in verse 18. So he gives us some marching orders. Although it's wooded, yeah, it needs, to be, it needs to be cleared. And you shall possess it to the furthest border. For you, everyone say me. It's not anyone else's job. That's the point. I can't put this out on anybody else. This isn't the pastor's job. It's not the Holy Spirit's job. It's not God's job. He's given it to me to drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots and are strong. I love he threw that in there. It's like, it, the, the chariots are not the issue, but the fact that he threw that in there again, it was just like fantastic. Okay, I get it. They have chariots and they're strong, but you are going to clear it, you're going to possess it, and you're going to drive it out. So this is where we're going to, we're going to land uh, because the reality is, sometimes we wake up and we go, man, my life's cramped. Uh, there's, not enough, there's not enough room here. This doesn't feel like the promised land. 
So, Joshua, I need you to fix this. I need you to give me more land. I need you to go tell those bad guys to get off my land. Did they they not get the memo? Did they not hear about Jericho? I mean, I tweeted it and I Instagrammed it and I put photos of the wall coming down, right? So that should be enough for them to go, all right, we give up. The people of God are here. And so I need you to fix this. I need you to go tell all of my enemies and all the issues and dilemmas that I have and things that seem too big for me. And I need you to go fix it because this doesn't feel like the promised land. So God invites us into this battle. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to learn how to clear it, possess it, and drive it out. If you're taking notes, type, type that in your phone. Clear it, possess it, and drive it out. So I'm going to highlight them today. And the next three weeks, we're going to look at what does this look like to learn to clear it? What does it look like to accept our new identity? So uh, Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 23 and 24 says, Throw off your old self, which is corrupt through its desires, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness. See, the Israelites saw, they saw all kinds of land, but it was forest. They saw all kinds of potential like they had this little land and they're looking on to the other land. And yeah, there was people with chariots and, and, and all that. But they also said it's wooded. It's not habitable. It's not pretty. And so we need somebody to come and fix it. And he's saying, you need to learn how to clear it. What does this look like for you? Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get up in the morning. I look in the mirror and it feels more wooded and forest than it does cleared. It feels a little rough around the edges, right? Anybody with me? Like the person that's staring back at me like, yeah, we've got some work to do. That doesn't feel like the promised land. So what do we do? We clear it. We're not looking for somebody else. I think that that's dinging because the door is half open. So, um, so we learn to clear it. Um, If we're honest, this is where we settle. And again, we're going to talk all next week about this one topic. But if we're honest, this is where we, where we settle. Where we kind of go, there's a reason why I haven't advanced more in life. There is a reason why I'm not more godly. There's a reason why my life's not more together. There's a reason why I don't feel better about myself. There's a reason why I'm not thriving at X, Y, and Z. And so if we're not careful, instead of clearing it, we go, you know what? Maybe that reason's me. Maybe I'm the reason. And we start rehearsing the same speech that the prodigal rehearsed. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is, feels like a pig pen, actually. And so I need to go, I need to get to a better place. And so we say, yeah, I'm going to go to my father and I'm going to say, I've sinned. I mean, that's how I got here. That's how you got here. I have sinned. I messed up. I did that. I mean, when we're looking in the mirror and we're being honest, I did some things that weren't helpful. And so, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven and I'm not worthy anymore to get that. 
that promised land. But I don't want to stay here, so maybe there's a middle ground, so I know maybe I'll become a servant, a really good servant, and I can work my way from the pig pen a little bit further towards the promised land. And I get it. Listen, Joshua, if you don't give me all the land and you don't clear all of it, maybe there's still some enemies over here, but I'd like a little bit more land than I have now. And so maybe if I just work really hard and I serve and I become a really good servant, then maybe I can live in a little little bit of a better place and we settle we settle we settle it's critical that we understand this battle it's critical that you see what joshua is telling this 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 group of people they're complaining about the chariots and he goes don't worry about the chariots what i need you to do first is i need you to clear the land See, our issue is sometimes when we come up against, when we talk about battling, we immediately go to the enemy. We immediately go to spiritual warfare. And it's like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm telling you, and I wrote this down, the, the, the best spiritual warfare you will ever do is learn who you are Amen. and whose you are and walk in your new identity as sons and daughters. That is the best spiritual authority. That's the best spiritual fighting that you'll ever do. And this is where Joshua started, is you got to start with clearing the land. you got to be able to look in your mirror and say, you know what, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and so today I'm going to start living like that. It doesn't matter what I looked like yesterday. Today, His mercies are new every morning. And so today I'm going to begin to step into this place where I know who I am. And it's not contingent or connected to how good I was yesterday. I might be in the pig pen and I might have earned every bit of this, but my road back is not about my merit. My road back is the father who's coming and running towards me and putting a ring of of validation on my finger and sandals on my feet and the robe of righteousness and throwing a party. That's who my father is. And so that is the first step to fighting back is to say, you know what? Okay, we got mountains and we got chariots and irons and we got got the enemy and all of these things. But first things first, I got to deal with me before I can tackle that mountain. Because if I try to tackle that mountain, I'm going to be looking for God to do something that he already did for me. He already accomplished it. So I get to step into that finished work. I'm starting with me today. I am a child of God. I have an inheritance. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And in that, it's going to lead me to begin to adopt some new behaviors and some new mindsets and some new attitudes. It will flow from that place. Got to learn to clear it. I'm going to spend a whole sermon on that next week. The next thing is we got to learn to possess it. This was the next thing that Joshua said. It's like we haven't even got to the the, the enemy yet. There's an enemy out there. You got to clear the land and then you got to possess the land. I love this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. This is where we uproot strongholds. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. See, it's one thing to move some dirt around. It's one thing to topple over some trees and clear the land a little bit. It's a whole nother thing to go, all right, this is mine. I'm putting a stake over there. I'm going to put a stake over there. 
and here and here. I'm going to walk this puppy. I'm going to start envisioning where we're going to build some stuff. Like this is, I'm not just moving dirt now. This is my new normal. This is how I believe now. This is how I think now. This is how I do things. This is what I'm about now. This isn't just some cool sermon I read and some, some scriptures that I read or maybe a Bible study that I did. No, I'm actually starting to adopt this as mine. This is mine. This is where you bump up against those landmines that are called strongholds. The strongholds are not the, chariot, uh, the chariots and the, the, and the enemy. Strongholds are in you. You bump up against those when you start owning this land you cleared. We're not wandering in the desert anymore. We're not bumping around trying to make it day by day. Listen, before you got saved, who cares about the strongholds? Your life's a stronghold, right? The enemy, you're a non-factor. The enemy doesn't care. You're living day by day. You're trying to survive in this life. But when you get saved and you start stepping into your brand new identity, this is who I am now then you start hitting these strongholds. And I'll, show you, I'll tell you what a stronghold is. A stronghold is a lie crafted in the pit of hell to keep you defeated. It's what it is. It has been handcrafted in the pit of hell to keep you defeated. Now, it becomes a stronghold and not a lie when it slips past your liar, liar detector. Have you ever played that game? If there's another word for it, but we don't use it in my house, so we call it liar, liar. Um, and you have a deck of cards, right? Or like two decks of cards, and you pass until, um, and, uh, and, and everybody gets to, uh, you know, you start with two, and then you go to three, and you go to four, and then if you get to somebody, and they have to lay down whatever card's next. So if they're on four, they have to lay down four, and however many fours they have, that's what they lay down. But if they don't have a four, they have to bluff. Liar, liar. So at any given time, somebody's laying down and they're saying two fours and everyone gets to decide, are those two fours or are those two queens? And they're just saying they're two fours. And if you say liar, liar, and you look and it's two fours, then the whole stack of cards you get to take. And the goal, the goal is to get rid of the cards. So that's kind of how the game works. And so you're always looking at people's eyes like, are those two fours? Or sometimes somebody will say like five Five sevens, right? Because you're playing with multiple decks and you're like, and you're looking, how many sevens do I have, right? And there's like a huge stack that you don't want to get. And you're like, I'll let it pass, right? Well, this is the strongholds. The enemy lies to you. And there's a lot of times when it just bounces off. It's like, that's, that's, it was a stupid thought. Of course, that's not true about me. It's not true about my circumstances. It's not true about God. And so it's just a lie. It's a fiery dart from the enemy. It becomes a stronghold when that lie slips past your liar, liar detector. You just didn't see it. Didn't see it coming. It passed to the next turn. There's a stack of four queens sitting there, and he said they were four fours, and you just didn't see it. And now... It's too late. It's in there. It's in the stack. Can't go back. And their beliefs now. You now believe something that's not true. That's what a stronghold is. It's a lie crafted in the pit of hell toward you 
He, he's, listen, the, the enemy, he has, doesn't have any power, but he's really patient and he watches us and he's really good at it. He doesn't have any power, but he's good at lying. And he's constantly trying to slip one past you and slip in a thought. And if it gets in there, and again, sometimes these happen when we're young. Sometimes they happen when we're not even conscious, but they slip in there and all of a sudden now we're living based on a reality that's not true. Those are ungodly beliefs. What you believe about yourself, what you believe about the world, what you believe about finances, what you believe about other people and relationships. These are the areas the enemy targets. And when we start owning ground and saying, no, this is who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm set free. I'm walking in holiness. I'm walking in righteousness. Man, God's blessing me. And you start bumping up against something. It's ungodly belief. And God has given us the power to uproot those things, call them for what they are. No, that's not who I am. And we replace the lie with the truth. And it's not a one-time thing. Have you ever dug like a big, you know, root out or something? It's like you're hitting at it. You're getting with the shovel and sometimes you're kicking it. You're like, oh, that hurt. And then you hit it with the shovel again and then you get to pickaxe and eventually you're prying it, you're prying it and you get it up and you uproot that thing and you're like, wow, that was huge. It was like a small root, but you get under it and it's just this big thing and you uproot that thing and you go, there it is. You have no power over me anymore. You have no power over me. But it takes some work. It takes some heavy lifting. Why? Because we're possessing the new ground. We're possessed. This is mine now. Once you uproot that thing, that ground's yours. It has no power over you anymore. This is good news. And the last thing is this. Drive it out. Drive it out. So now we get to these chariots of iron. This, this whole big thing. Ooh, there, there's enemies out there. I already told you the enemy has no power. But this is where we learn how to kill the giants in our life. Because the enemy is real. And he is scheming. This is what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. This is where we talk about God's power. It's his power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And another translation says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. This is where we say the enemy has, 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 has had, uh, you know, had free reign over my family long enough. Free reign over my mind long enough. Over my relationships, over my finances. He's not going to do that anymore. This is not a stronghold. This is not about my identity. This is about the enemy who is a defeated foe. I can recognize him for who he is and I can speak to that and push him aside and move forward. I told this story, uh, I think a year and a half ago, but many of you haven't heard it, and, I, and it fits so well, and I like bragging on my wife, and so I'm going to tell it again. This is kind of how we'll close, but when, I, when we were in New York um, at our very first mission trip, first year married, um, we, we were in this huge building, and there was this like a revival happening, and we had, it was like a mission trip we were taking kids on, and at the end of service, I'll never forget this, the end of service, um, there was a, a call for, uh, for real ministry. And during that ministry time, there was, uh, there was a gentleman that was starting to manifest a demon. And, you know, again, we read about it in the Bible, but like rarely do we actually come up with some, against somebody that's actually like demon-possessed. Unfortunately, it happens. 
And so there's this, this guy is manifesting down at the altar, and I mean, the place is packed, right? Luckily, there's like some super powerful pastors and leaders there, and so they surround him, and they spend some time. And so we're with all of our like junior high, high school kids, right, on this mission trip. We're up in the balcony watching this take place. And again, it was after service, so that, you know, a lot of people had left, but there's this big huddle, and you could tell they're doing business down at the altar, and so we're kind of, those of us who are watching, we're kind of stretching our arms or whatever. And so at some point, there was like a victory. And this demon had been, you know, had been, you know, cast out. And, and, and this person was just like, you know, free. And you could see it from the balcony. And, you know, people were praising God. And it was just this like really cool. And our kids, our, our junior high school kids got to see this and witness it. And so I'll never forget, Heather all of a sudden like gets up and leaves. And then she goes down, you know, and I'm kind of wondering where she's going, you know, keeping track of her. It's, you know, it's New York. And, and then she, I see her, like, going down to the altar. And I'm like, what is she doing, you know? Because, again, like, it had, it had already kind of happened, the moment, you know. It's like, oh, maybe she, you know, she's just going to, like, pray or, you know, whatever. And so all of a sudden, I, I see her, like, she, like, gets up on the stage, and kind of like where the people were and where it was happening. And she starts kind of doing this. And she was like, and she was, you could tell she was like praying. And, you know, she's kind of like laying hands on stuff, you know. And I don't think anyone else noticed. Because, again, there was like a big commotion. And people were hanging out and high-fiving, whatever. But I was like watching her. And I was like half like chuckling under my breath because it looked funny. And half like super curious. Like, what is she doing up there? And she was like really going for it, you know. And then, uh, and then it, it ended, and she came back up, and she got the kids, you know. So on the way home, I'm like, what were you doing? And she was like, well, you know in, this, in the Bible where, you know, the, the demons, like, left the, that man that was demon-possessed? And they were like, Jesus, don't send us into the abyss. Send us into these pigs. And so he's like, fine, you know. So they jump into the pigs, and they run off the cliff. And so Heather was like, so the demons, when they get cast out, they go somewhere, and so, like, maybe, maybe they went up on the stage or, like, the sound equipment or something. And so she was, like, just making sure that she was just casting out everything. Like, get out of here. You're not welcome here, you know. And I was, like, it's, like, the awesomest childlike faith. Uh, where she's, like, unashamed, you know, just not afraid to go up there. Like, a, literally a demon was present just a few moments ago. And she's going up there, like, just praying this thing out of here. And I just love that childlike faith. And that's the kind of faith that we're going to discover in our, in our, our, our facing our giants. Is the enemy is defeated. And when you walk in your personal confidence and authority, your identity, and you're bumping up against those strongholds, uprooting those things, when you come against the enemy, you'll see him for what he is. He's this like little tiny little guy. He's like, hey guys. He's like lobbing like silly little lies at you, right? And in the moment, it feels so epic, like Lord of the Rings. And really, it's like this little tiny little mouse that's got nothing on you. And God is going to teach us how to fight back. But not through all of our effort at this tiny little enemy with no power. We're going to start with us. And we're going to move to a place where we're defeating the giants in our land. Father God, I thank you for this journey that you have us on. And I ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would open up our eyes and our hearts that you would allow us to step into something that maybe we didn't see before. God, I pray that it would be inspiring. I pray that you would encourage our hearts and that we would 
walk into the promised land that you have given us with confidence and boldness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.